Big 12 fans, we've just got to get used to this. It's not changing. It's not going away. It's not getting better. This is now life as a Big 12 fan. And what am I talking about, by the way? Well, our best coaches getting thrown into the rumor mill every single time there is an SEC or Big 10 opening in football. That's how it's going to be. And I'll explain why. Welcome in. I'm Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. It is so good to be here with you covering the Big 12 Conference. If you're new to the show on YouTube, right there, right below you, hit that subscribe button. We're always talking Big 12 here. And um, we got a lot of coverage coming for you with basketball in full swing. The football offseason is already off to a red-hot start. And uh, we'll even talk baseball and softball as we get towards springtime. And of course, on the podcast, leave me a five-star rating and review. We so appreciate you guys doing that. I know some of you haven't left that five-star rating yet. Just take a second out. Hit the five-star for me. I appreciate that. So let's start off with the wild couple of days that the rumor mill was in the Big 12 with college football. So right away, Washington loses its coach to Alabama. And ESPN, Pete Thamel, all these guys, they throw their lists out there, Andy Staples, and half the guys are either current Big 12 coaches or future Big 12 coaches, right? Matt Campbell, Chris Kleiman, Lance Leipold, all those names get tossed out there as guys who are suddenly interested in Washington. And by the way, none of those guys made any sense for Washington. Matt Campbell, Lance Leipold, and Chris Kleiman are Midwest guys who, God bless them, I'm not criticizing them for this. In fact, in no way I would. They all make a tremendous amount of money and can do whatever they want in the offseason. But, like, do we know if Chris Kleiman, Lance Leipold, or Matt Campbell have even been to Washington State, like, for anything? I hear it's a beautiful part of the country, but they're Midwest dudes. But right away, hey, Put Chris Kleiman on the list. Put Lance Leipold on the list. Put Matt Campbell on the list. Now, the Matt Campbell thing's been going on for half a decade now, but still, this is how it's going to be. We are in a world now where anytime an SEC job opens up or anytime a Big Ten job opens up, some of the top names to come down the rumor mill right out of the gates are going to be Big 12 coaches and Big 12 coaches who are having success. That's going to be the way for the next five to 10 years in this sport. So get used to it. Now, that being said, especially Kleiman and Leipold, let's focus on them because they appear to be a little bit more um, top of mind in this Washington search. Kleiman comes out on Sunday and tells a newspaper guy, I think it was up in what, South Dakota or something, that he's not going anywhere. He's staying at K-State. And then a couple hours later, Lance Leipold puts out a tweet saying, I'm basically not going anywhere. I'm not leaving anytime soon. And boy, that was huge for the entire state of Kansas, by the way. Because both of these programs believe, rightfully so, that in this new Big 12 world, they have every reason to believe that they can be the alpha male. They can be the big dog in the new Big 12. Now, there's probably six... Teams, seven teams that can make that claim. Arizona was on that list. I'm not so sure right now. We'll deal with that here in a second. But KU under Lance Leipold and K-State under Chris Kleiman, understandably, both programs said, why not us? We can be 
a team that's competing for conference titles in this league with OU and Texas leaving. And if either of them had lost their head coach, it would have been a completely different scenario. But neither team did, to their credit. That's a credit to the universities, the athletic departments, the boosters, the fan bases, the communities. Every single one of you play a role in that. No matter how big and small, you play a role in both of those guys saying, no, I I can stay here. I want to stay here. I can win here. And this is what I think is getting lost in this new world of college football where every national reporter just assumes, well, obviously Chris Kleiman or Lance Leipold or Matt Campbell want to coach in the Power 2 conference, don't they? Well, a couple of things. These guys are making four, five, six, seven million bucks a year. You're going to uproot your whole family, start over for eight or nine million a year? Listen, it's America. You can do that if you want, but a lot of people don't see appeal in that. When you build something up and you can make insane amounts of money doing it in a place that you know loves you, you know appreciates you, you know you can have the job till you retire. I mean, tell me of those three programs in the Big 12, Iowa State, KUK State, with those three head coaches, how bad would it have to get for any of those guys to get run out of town? It would have to go so bad for any of those three to be shown the door. So it's not going to happen. You are making more than enough money. And that's not me trying to sound like you've made enough money. No, no, no. I'm not implying that. I'm just saying when you factor in lifestyle, running a program, knowing you're safe, you're going to risk going to Washington in the Big Ten, where, by the way, you're flying 1,500 miles every other week for a road game to coach Washington? You're going to do that? Following up a guy who just took Washington into a national title? There's only one direction to go there. I mean, Washington's a good program. It's not USC. It's not even Oregon. So we got to pump the brakes on this from the standpoint of assuming Big 12 coaches are suddenly going to want to be in the SEC and the Big 10 because we've seen them turn down these conferences time and time again. And then just as big, if not bigger, on why Big 12 coaches may not be jumping for these Big Ten SEC jobs like national media folks think they will, the expanded playoff. The Big 12 is all but guaranteed one spot in the college football playoff at 12 teams. And guess what? There's a chance in good years the Big 12 could get two teams in. Now, Big 12's not going to get three teams in. I'm not going to be naive about it. But there are certainly years when the Big 12 could find itself with two teams in the college football playoff. Let's say, and I'm just throwing out examples here. Let's say the Big 12 goes into a conference championship game with an undefeated KU. And once again, I'm just throwing out examples here. And a one-loss Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy and Oklahoma State beat KU, and they get, of course, the automatic bid. Well, KU, kind of in many ways like TCU a couple of years ago, doesn't win the Big 12 championship, but in a 12-team playoff, they're undefeated. They're probably in the top four or five at that point in the country. They may fall down to 10-11-12, but they're still in the college football playoff. There are scenarios, and they're not that hard to predict, for the Big 12 to get two teams into the playoff. And then, of course, you're in, 
You're part of the game. You're rolling the dice, and you're just going to see how it plays out. These Big 12 coaches who have built up quality programs will have opportunities. I mean, every single one of them, you can make the case that all of these jobs, I mean, you could make the case that half the jobs in the Big 12 will be easier to make the college football playoff than two-thirds of the jobs in the SEC or the Big 10. Like, it's not all that difficult to envision a world where Kansas and Kansas State have an easier road to the college football playoff than the Oklahoma Sooners will have in the SEC. Yes, the SEC will get more teams in. I'm not denying that. SEC might get four, potentially five, I guess, teams into the playoffs some years. Five's ridiculous, but they could get four teams into the playoffs some years. That wouldn't surprise me at all. But it's not inconceivable for any Big 12 team to have an easier path to said college football playoff than OU, than Wisconsin in the Big Ten, than Michigan State, than a lot of those programs. And that's the thing with the wide-open Big 12. I mean, I'm looking at even Dave Aranda in Waco, who has fallen way down on his luck. He's got a quarterback out of the transfer portal. He has completely changed his game in the transfer portal. Like, Dave Aranda can say, gosh, if I can get this thing back on track, why not me? I've won a Big 12 championship as recently as a couple of years ago with OU and Texas in the conference. So that's how all this can suddenly make a difference. And you can create a scenario where Big 12 coaches don't need to jump to the SEC or the Big 10. They'll make a little more money, but at what cost? At the cost of job security, at the cost of starting fresh and starting brand new, at the cost of... Um, you know, not having a program that, you know, appreciates you, a place that you can work and make a few million bucks a year for the next 10, 15 years if you want to. Like, it's a completely different layout when you jump to one of those schools. So that's just how it goes. I'm Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports. Thank you guys for being here. If you have not yet on YouTube, hit that like button. Thanks for being a part of the show. Same thing on the podcast. Rate us five stars if you could. And on the radio show, we always love you guys as well. Thanks for being here. So the job ends up going to Jed Fish. He takes the job at Washington. Now, remember, we're a Big 12 show, but Arizona is going to be in the Big 12 starting next year. So this has a Big 12 tie to it. I know Arizona had a great season. I saw him beat OU in the Alamo Bowl. But man, Jed Fish seems like a real bottom of the barrel. I, I don't want to say he's a bottom of the barrel dude, but everything you read about the way he handled this is everything that many of us have come to hate about the college football coaching carousel. According to reports, Jason Shear had this. Um, he reported that Jed Fish met with the players for three minutes, three minutes to go to Washington. And on top of that, he puts up this post on his social media pages saying, you know, I, 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 when I first arrived at U of A, I knew we could create something special. I've loved my time here. I never thought my family and I would ever leave. I mean, you know, the violins are out, sob story, woe is me. I never thought this day would come. And then literally two minutes later, 
on his social media page right after he puts that up. Two minutes later, Jed Fish has a post on X, formerly Twitter, hashtag new profile pic. And it's him in a Washington hoodie and a Washington visor. Two minutes after he posts something saying, oh, I'm going to miss you guys at Arizona. Oh, gosh, my family and I would never thought I'd leave. Within two minutes, he's posting hashtag new profile pic. That's like, you know, when you dump a girl and you give her the whole sob story. It's not you. It's me. I need some time to myself. We got to go our separate ways. And the next day she sees you with your side piece, who's now your girlfriend. That's exactly what Jed Fish did. He didn't even give it a night to breathe. Forget a night. He didn't give it an hour to breathe. The dude posted his new profile picture of his Washington visor and hoodie two minutes after he posted his goodbye to Arizona. Find me something more fraudulent than that from Jed Fish, more disingenuous than that from the Arizona head coach. That is as bad as it gets. It's like he doesn't even care. But I can't say I'm surprised, based on some of the reporting I've seen, that all the players and their families were completely blindsided and are beyond ticked off. And I don't blame them one bit. Unbelievable. Uh, Michael writes here to us on YouTube Live, Pete, I don't believe you've ever dumped a girlfriend. Well, you know, if you want to go down that road, um, I'll be honest, I met my wife in college, so I didn't really have many, and I'm happy about that. You know, I got kiddo number three coming in March. I got a beautiful five-year-old, a two-and-a-half-year-old who's crazy, but I love her to death. And um, we have our third daughter coming in March. So I'm doing fine. Life's good. And uh, yeah, never dumped a girl. Also never did OnlyFans like some of you freaks. Just saying. Never did Tinder either, thank goodness. I just missed that trend. So uh, yeah, th that is true. But I'm not ashamed to admit that or say that. I'm just you know answering the questions here as they come through on Facebook Live and YouTube. That's what we do, right? Pure transparency, pure honesty. That's uh, what this is all about. So just know the Big 12 coaches will continue to uh, have their names floated out there. And the universities are going to have to do a damn good job to make sure that they keep these guys and they pay them and they help out the staffs and they have good NIL because these guys can get the college football playoffs and they can win in the Big 12. There's no doubt about that. All right. Uh, let's talk to oh, <laughs> let's talk some uh, basketball. So here we are, one week in to Big 12 Conference play. And think about this. There are two undefeated teams. I'm not throwing up a peace sign on YouTube. There are two undefeated teams left in conference play. We're three games in, and there are two 3-0 teams. That's it. Put that into perspective for a second here. There are two undefeated teams left three games into the Big 12 conference schedule. And uh, <laughs> one you might have predicted possibly in Baylor at 3-0 after they beat Cincinnati 62-59. But the other one, Texas Tech, who the heck saw that coming? Texas Tech, if I told you there'd be two 3-0 teams in the Big 12 and one of them with Texas Tech, uh, you would call me crazy. You would ask me what I was smoking. 
and you'd have every right to ask me that question. Well, that's going to be the Big 12 this year in a nutshell. That's how this league is going to go. Now, the team that's impressed me the most this season, TCU, is, I mean, call it what you want, a a bad flagrant foul call. I don't think it was, but if you want to call it that, I understand. They're potentially a bad flagrant foul call away from also being 3-0 in the league and being in first place. What Jamie Dixon has done, they upset Houston on Saturday, 68-67. to Of course, you had Emmanuel Miller's uh, late shot, put him up and take care of business. And it was one of those games where you said to yourself, for Houston, welcome to the Big 12. Just like Iowa State was kind of that welcome to the Big 12 game for Houston earlier in the week, they also had that experience on Saturday. This conference is a meat grinder every single night. There is not a conference in college basketball that sniffs the Big 12. Houston's learning that the hard way, like it or not. Um, I mean, Texas found that out on Saturday, losing to West Virginia, who we thought if there was going to be a layup game in this league, we thought it was going to be West Virginia. But hey, Try going to Morgantown, and not just the travel. The atmosphere is always good in Morgantown. It's a tough place to play, and West Virginia does have some talent. So even though the Mountaineers under Josh Eilert might end up finishing dead last in the Big 12, and that would be my bet right now if I was to make a bet, like they're still going to be a decent team. They're not going to be awful. They're not going to be what Kansas was in basketball for a decade or anything like that. And, you know, they're not even all that healthy right now. To get Jesse Edwards back, they're going to have a little juice to them. So this is a league that is just going to be so good. BYU gets its first win. They bounce back. They're 1-2 and two in league play, beating UCF after UCF had the huge upset over Kansas, right? Kansas ends up beating Oklahoma at home. And uh, the problem in that game for OU is OU's defense was just non-existent. OU is hanging in there for a lot of the game. They had a couple of runs where they got back in late in the first half, but they just could not get a stop when they needed to to try to turn this game around. So uh, Oklahoma, top 10 team, 1-2 to start off league play. KU is, you know, a coin flip away from being 1-2 itself. They're now 2-1 in conference play. Baylor is 3-0, but listen, Cincinnati threw up a potential game-tying three-pointer as time expired, and they had a chance to put that game in the OT. And Cincinnati's a coin flip away from being 2-1, and one, and Baylor's a coin flip away from being 2-1 and one as well in the conference. That's just the kind of year it's going to be in this league. Uh, and then you've got Texas Tech. All right, Texas Tech, uh, as I noted, one of the 3-0 and o teams. And you look at this game for Texas Tech, and how it played out. It was just a it was a weird game because Texas Tech jumps out to an early lead, right? I mean, they're up I, I want to say it was 14 to 5 early in this game. And you're like, "Wow, okay, Red Raiders are rolling." And then Kansas State wakes up. And Kansas State goes in the halftime with a double-digit lead. Well, then Texas Tech in the second half, I mean, they blew out K-State. The defense locked it down. Um, the offense got going again. They almost doubled their point total in the second half and the first half. And, you know, they hang on for the 60-59 to 59 victory. So, and, and 
you're sitting there if you're Texas Tech and you're like, that was the game where you wondered to yourself, okay, both these teams were 2-0 and coming in. Which one is going to end up 3-0? and Because whoever ends up 3-0 and is going to feel really good about themselves. And that's where Texas Tech is at right now. And now Texas Tech goes to Houston this week, which, once again, you're looking at Houston and saying, okay, I mean, they're having their welcome to the Big 12 moment here. Then it's BYU, who looks a little bit like a paper tiger, even though they got a bounce-back win. And then you go to Oklahoma. So even that, as of Sunday, is three ranked teams in the row, but three ranked teams that you think you can beat if you're Texas Tech. Grant McCaslin's done an incredible job so far uh, for this team, for the Red Raiders. And then last but not least was the Iowa State-Oklahoma State game. And this one was tricky because I feel so bad for Oklahoma State. They had a terrible week of travel. They had to go to Lubbock. They had issues getting there. They got blown out earlier in the week. Then on Saturday, this game had to be pushed back because they had travel issues from Stillwater to Ames because of the blizzard up there in Iowa. They went from Stillwater to OKC. They had issues with Oklahoma City trying to de-ice their planes, according to Mike Boynton. They end up pushing the game back a couple of hours, and Oklahoma State gets blasted by 25 points against Iowa State. They score 16 points in the second half. I mean, listen, I, I don't know if Mike Boyne is the guy. I mean, he's in year seven. I think it's pretty easy to say and make the case that he's not. But he has gotten a lot of tough breaks from the NCAA nonsense a couple of seasons ago to now even on a much smaller level, what we're seeing this week. Like, of course, the week they have two tough road games Back to back in the Big Twelve is the same time we get a you know uh, ice storms and temperatures below zero and two feet of snow in Iowa and the whole thing. So Mike Boynton seems like a great guy. You love him, but he's also caught a lot of bad breaks. But it doesn't mean he's inexcusable. I mean, the team scored 16 points in the second half on Saturday night. I know it's a long day, but man, that was tough to watch. So. <laughs> Going back and seeing some of that, it's like, oof. Iowa State, though, sitting there at 2-1. and one, So this league is just going to be a monster of a conference going forward. It is going to be a heck of a lot of fun to watch. I'm Pete Mundo. It's great to be here with you. Uh, Eli says, don't give us credit. Keep doubting us. I don't know who us is, Eli. I need a little help there on the Facebook Live. I'm not sure um, who us is. I'm trying to clarify that. I'm still, by the way, thawing out from being at that Chiefs-Dolphins game on Saturday night. I went with a buddy, and I've never been that cold in my life. It was minus four a kickoff. The wind chills were minus 30. I even bought this like heated vest um, that people recommended to me, and it was nice. You know, I had to plug in USB. I'm sure a bunch of you guys that hunt and whatnot uh, have one of these. But I couldn't keep warm. The, 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 my toe, and I had the cardboard under my feet at Arrowhead Stadium because they allowed us to bring cardboard in. I could not get my feet warm. I have never been that cold in my life. And I didn't even get a beer. There was no point. I saw guys walking back with their beers and they were frozen by the time they got to their seats. I'm like, I'm not spending $17 on a beer to have a beer slushy. There's no way for me to like 
thaw this thing out. So I'm not going to waste. Not, I mean, listen, I like having a beer at the game, but I couldn't justify it on Saturday. But listen, I know some of you have sat in some cold weather games. That is the coldest I have been in my life. And yes, I had boots on. I had the cardboard. I had wool socks. I had another pair of socks underneath the wool socks. I even put those foot warmers in. They didn't do crap. They did not do a damn thing. So I need some help on that for next time. Drop me a note because I cannot figure that out for the life of me. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know how to keep those toes warm. I, I just I couldn't figure it out. Uh, Pete, when are you going to start getting some of the Pac-12 teams on the wall? Listen, the Pac-12, the, these teams I'm pointing to, Texas and Oklahoma, they come off the wall July 1, right? That's when they officially leave. And the four new teams go on the wall July 1. That's how we did it for UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, BYU. That's how we're going to do it for Texas and Oklahoma. And I can't flip the horns back down for those of you on YouTube because I promised Texas fans if they won the Big 12 in football, I would keep the horns or I would flip the horns down the horns up. And since I'm a man of my word, I will keep the horns up. That's just how it is. Electric heated socks. I, I may have to go that route, Donald. That may be the way to go next time, brother. Thank you for that. And thank you guys for being here. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Hit the like on the video. I know some of you um, may not or may forget to do that. Please don't. It helps us a lot with the show. And then on the podcast, you know what to do. Leave me a solid five star if you haven't yet, please. It helps the show more than you realize. I know you're like, Pete, why do you ask? It helps us grow the show. And uh, if you want to leave a review, I'll hook you up with that Heartland College Sports Koozie. Send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And don't forget, join our free Heartland College Sports forums, message boards. Go to the website, click on the members forums. They are free to sign up. We'd love to see you there. Have a great day. We're going to be talking Big 12 once again all week long. Subscribe so you never miss a show, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Take care.